Hello, and welcome to the Senior Detectives Podcast, a cozy corner to talk about mysteries of all kinds. I'm Hannah. And I'm Lauren. Today we will be covering The Maid. It is a novel written by Nita Prose. We'll start today with the back of the book blurb. Molly Gray is not like everyone else. She struggles with social skills and often misreads people's intentions. But no matter, she still throws herself with gusto into her work as a hotel maid at the five-star Regency Grand. Her obsessive love of cleaning and proper etiquette makes her an ideal fit for the job. She delights in donning her crisp uniform each morning, stocking her cart with miniature soaps and returning guest rooms to a state of perfection. But Molly's orderly life is upended the day she enters the suite of the infamous and wealthy Charles Black, only to find Mr. Black dead, very dead, in his bed. Perplexed by Molly's unusual behavior, the police immediately suspect her of murder. She's soon caught in a web of deception with no idea how to untangle herself. Fortunately for Molly, friends she never knew she had join her in a search for clues about what really happened to Mr. Black. But will they be able to find the real killer before it's too late? Um, that mm. gives so much away. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read that before starting. Yeah, um. so I did because I was making the outline for the podcast. And yeah. so I feel like it gives a lot away. I feel like I had a different reading experience than you did because of the back of the book blurb, yeah. which is really annoying. I could see that. I mean, some of the stuff, like, especially the little end bit where she said friends she never knew she had join her in a search for clues to find out who the real killer is gives away that she's not the killer. Yeah. And that she has people that are going to help her. And she gets arrested. Like, and all she gets of these arrested. Things. Wow. I hate back of the book blurbs. Tell me the in the vaguest terms possible what I can expect in a book. But this is too much information. It's just too much. You're so right. It didn't harm my feelings of the book. Like, I overall really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we're talking, like, broad strokes before yeah. we get into the plot of stuff. But, yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing. I try to avoid them when I can. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm I'm sorry. If I had, like, read it after... I had read it. I would have told you not to read it because I just didn't. I didn't even think about it because I most of them are like much more vague than that. But it's okay. So I remember reading this and being very excited that you were going to read it because it is at the point like it's kind of like as you're going, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm into it. You know, Mm -hmm. she's quirky. I like her perspective, blah, blah, blah. But then it gets to the point where she gets arrested and that was the mm-hmm. point in which I was like, whoa, like I'm here <laughs> for it. I need to finish this book now. I finished it while we were on vacation and doing Thanksgiving. And so I'm just really bummed that you already knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And I figured that was the thing because when you were reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, something just happened. And now yeah. I just have to know how the book ends. And I figured that's what it was when I got to it. I was like, okay, yeah, she got arrested. It's like, cause it's a big deal. Yeah. I obviously. did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have either. Uh, because of the way the story goes, you just, it's so clear to you as the reader that she isn't guilty. I kind of liked, I had a running theory for a while. I was like, what if she is guilty and she's suppressed it so much um, because of the way her brain works. That would have been also a very interesting twist, and I could have seen it going that way. I I really liked it. Um, yeah, overall, a good a good little read. I highly recommend. 
Um, but yeah, we'll get into it. I'm going to read the really short prologue to you guys. Um, this is just how the book starts out. And I think it's such a good little introduction into this character, into this book. I am your maid. I'm the one who cleans your hotel room, who enters like a phantom when you are out gallivanting for the day. No care at all about what you left behind, the mess, or what I might see when you're gone. I'm the one who empties your trash, tossing out the receipts you don't want anyone to discover. I'm the one who changes your sheets, who can tell if you slept in them and if you were alone last night or not. And I'm the one who straightens your shoes by the door, who puffs up your pillows and finds stray hairs on them. Yours? Not likely. I'm the one who cleans up after you drink too much and soil the toilet seat, or worse. When I'm done with my work, I leave your room pristine. Your bed is made perfectly with four plump pillows, as though no one had ever lain there. The dust and grime you left behind has been vacuumed into oblivion. Your polished mirror reflects your face of innocence back at you. It's as though you were never here. It's as though all of your filth, all of your lies and deceits have been erased. I'm your maid. I know so much about you, but when it comes down to it, what is it that you know about me? That's quite a hook. It is good. Uh, like I, it's I good. Was definitely interested because I mean I've thought about this before. Yeah, and like just how much you can learn about someone from the crap in their hotel room. Like consciously, like thinking about like the stuff we, I leave behind in the hotel room. I'm like, <laughs> what do they think? Like the last <laughs> time I was in a hotel was in Disney World with Hannah. What what did they think about us? You know? <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And what could you get away with? As a maid, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought that that's what this book was going to be, is that she was going to be explicitly doing things, utilizing the fact that she's a maid to do things. Right. But it's so different. (laughs) Yeah, it is very different. I guess we'll get into it. Our main character, her name is Molly. Uh, And as Lauren stated earlier, she works at the Regency Grand Hotel. And this Mm -hmm. book, I don't think it's ever explicitly said that it takes place in the UK, but there are things they say, like terms for things that oh. are like the UK terms for things that I just I didn't even notice a, that. Huh. It wasn't like the obvious ones, like chips and stuff like that, like and biscuits, like right. about food, you know, like that everybody knows. But like, I just, I don't know, little terms. But then the money and stuff is in dollars. So yeah, that happened with the appeal though too, where. It was in dollars, but it's set not in the the, UK. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be like how they released it to the US. I don't know. That's true. But it's in a city kind of like I would akin it to like New York or, Mm -hmm. you know, a bigger city. Absolutely. Where she gets around on foot and then it's all very compact. Like her life is within this sphere. She is... So interesting to read from her perspective because yeah. she's quirky. Yeah, you use the word neurodivergent, which I think is a good word. It's never stated what um, she's got going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not diagnosed, but, you know, clearly it's some OCD. Like, socially, she can't pick up on cues. and In the same way where I've known people in my life who have um, Asperger's and mm. it reminded me a lot of how they interpret social cues and interactions. Okay. She takes things very literally. Yeah. If you try and say 
something in like a roundabout way mm-hmm. where you're not really saying what you mean, she just doesn't get it. Like it's just she takes you literally. Or she realizes that maybe you're not being serious, but she doesn't understand what you are trying to convey. It's like she lives by a set of rules that she has kind of made for herself based on advice, mostly from her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and if something doesn't fit within those rules, you know, it's tough. Yeah, she has her moments, I think, like a clear example is when somebody laughs after mm-hmm. she says something, she can never tell if they're laughing because she said something funny or if they're laughing at her. Yeah. Like every time that happens in the book, she's like, yeah. I... I can't tell. And then there's a few times where she's like, oh, okay. I think I know this person well enough to know mm-hmm. they're laughing with me, yeah. not at me. Or she'll ask, are you laughing with me or at me? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, if she's comfortable enough. Um, it was fascinating to read. Like the entire book is written from her perspective. So like those thoughts. And I thought it was really cool. I loved it. I yeah. loved reading from the perspective of someone who thinks like this. Um it was really refreshing, honestly. I feel like a lot of protagonists all sort of think the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I had, I was trying to think about it and I don't think I've ever really read a book from a perspective of like a neurodivergent person or someone with like OCD or yeah. ADHD or, because I think it's hard to convey mm-hmm. for one, but also it's just not the norm. I just, I loved it. I loved that part of it. Yeah. We see it in like, screen more often i think television yeah you know absolutely um mm-hmm. but you're right R- writing that perspective has got to be really tough and uh she pulled it off so well to the point where she i think has probably intimate experience with people mm-hmm. who think and operate like this because it's it's so hard to know what that's like if you haven't directly experienced it and she does a good job of making you empathize with Molly. Oh, absolutely. I love Molly. Yeah. She's an adorable character. Yeah. She's great. I I really thought maybe there was going to be the twist of like hidden darkness within her. And I'm so glad it didn't go that yes, route. Yes, same. Because I like that she's just like pure. Mm-hmm. She really is. So yeah, we kind of get like a little glimpse of her and what she's like at her job. And she really just enjoys the simple, straightforward nature of being a hotel maid. She's like, Mm -hmm. I like to come into a mess and leave it nice and clean, which I totally get. Like scratches that itch in your brain. (laughs) You're just like, okay, I like I've made sense of this chaos. I can move on. Mm -hmm. And um, she talks about loving the start of her day every day where she has her maid cart and it's all perfectly stocked and has all the soaps and stuff in it. (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, I really identify this this part of her. I do relate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The organization, it's like de-stressing. Yes, it is. But so it starts off with a bang. You know, she holds the hotel that she works at in very high esteem. She's very proud to work there. Um, and she cleans some of the more high profile suites with very important people that stay at the hotel there, I assume because she's such a good maid. And so she cleans a suite occupied by the Blacks. One is a big business tycoon, Mr. Black, and his young trophy wife, Giselle. Yeah, his name's Charles. Oh, right. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like, 
in his like 50s somewhere. He's he has older. grown children. Yeah. Yeah, like, like the same age children. as his new wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she is cleaning the Black's suite that day. And when she arrives, the first thing that happens is Mr. Black, like, bursts out of the room mm-hmm. past her and, like, doesn't treat her like a human being, which she's used to. He never does. He rarely, like, even acknowledges her presence. Mm-hmm. But she has become quite fond of Giselle like because Giselle's very nice to her and you know very sweet and understanding and um but she walks in this day and Giselle is clearly very upset like they've just been fighting yeah and she runs into the bathroom and doesn't really want to talk to Molly at all yeah and so Molly cleans the rest of the suite and she's like okay I'm gonna come back later to clean the bathroom is that cool I don't even remember if Giselle says yes or no, but uh, when she comes back later, she, I think she cleans the bathroom or she's cleaning some things um, Mm -hmm. before finding Mr. Black dead in bed. Mm -hmm. And he is the only one in there. She's been in there for a few minutes and like, hasn't seen anybody else Mm -hmm. before she goes into the bedroom and yeah, there he is, just dead as a doornail. Yeah. And she notices that the contents of their safe, which the safe was open when she cleaned the hotel room earlier. So mm-hmm. she was able to see what was in there. Yeah. And there was like a bunch of legal documents and money, some money, a lot of money. And she notices that the safe is empty and Giselle's things are gone. Yeah. And Giselle is gone. Yeah. So it, Cuts to chapter two, where she's in her boss, Mr. Snow's office, and she flashes back to um, different moments in time of her life. And I like the way that they give you backstory, Mm -hmm. because every time it would flash back, I would get really involved in whatever story she was telling. And then it would flash back to the present. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's what's going on right (laughs) Right, now. Right, 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 right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So she's sitting there. In his office and is thinking about like, okay, I need to get my brain straight and really like have my day that of today like logged out in chronological order really clearly. So she's this chapter is she's like taking you back through her her morning and day as a maid. Mm -hmm. So we get to meet everybody else in her life, basically. Yeah. So there's uh, Mr. Preston. He is a doorman for the Regency Grand. And he used to be friends with her grandmother, um, who has now passed, um, which is kind of another character that you meet only through flashbacks, but you also get to know her and love her. Very Um, closely, yeah. Yeah. And so they have a rapport. So, like, her and Mr. Preston are, you know, buddies. He's very sweet to her. Like, I could already tell. I was like, this man, he's so, like, just cute and jolly. And I was like, and he probably gives really good hugs. And, like... (laughs) Yeah, man, I love him. Yeah. (laughs) He looks out for her, you know, because it's obvious that he can tell that she's different. Um, Yes. And he supports her through that. Um, So then she goes down to like the housekeeping quarters area to the changing rooms and her locker. It's a routine, but it's almost like a um, like a practice for her of like changing into her hotel room uniform Mm -hmm. is very much like. It's her, like, moment of, like, centering herself every morning, putting on this, like, really crisp, clean uniform and preparing her trolley for the day. You're right. It's, like, 
meditation kind of yeah it's like her morning just like centering herself kind of moment yeah she seems to really enjoy it but her boss her name is cheryl she's the worst um she always comes in late she steals people's tips she doesn't restock their carts cheryl sucks just the worst (laughs) like i don't know how molly hasn't already been promoted to carol's position Kara must know somebody or something because I don't feel like there's any reality in which the two performances of these employees is not recognized yeah. because Molly is amazing at her job. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you call her Carol. Is it not Cheryl? Oh, I just misspoke. It oh, okay. is Cheryl. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely like, Cheryl. Is that how you pronounce it's... that name? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay. And she meets her fellow maids, Sunshine and Sunitha, who you don't hear much from, but they're very cute. Yes, I really like them. They're very sweet to her. She next goes to the kitchen to greet her friend Juan Manuel. And it's kind of evident as she's going through this. This is like she does these rounds every day. Like she goes and gets dressed and then goes to the kitchen to see Juan and and et cetera. Because he's definitely expecting her. Mm-hmm. They have a little conversation. They're very friendly. And then she gives him a key card to a room for the day. And mm-hmm. it's explained she has been doing this to help him out because he doesn't have a home at the moment. Like he doesn't have a visa to be in the country legally. So he is essentially living at the hotel. She basically looks for guests that are checking out early gets their key card, cleans their room, and then also comes back and cleans it the next morning after Juan has stayed there before the new guests come to check in. So she's helping him out, and it's very nice of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell that they care about each other. Um, like, he always gives her a glass of water, and she notices a burn mark on his wrist and is, like, concerned about him. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's, you know, for my job. But it's very much like transactional and she's like yes this is the right thing to do so i'm doing it for you so they don't like know each other on an intimate level but he does show her a really cute picture he's like this is my family they just sent me to this picture today Mm -hmm. it's his family who he supports financially that are still in mexico they get together and have dinner every sunday and he's like this is them this weekend isn't aren't they so cute and she's like I love that he shares these things with me. They're, it is so cute. cute. It's very cute. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Lo- I love her. And, adorable. and she's like, okay, gotta go clean rooms now. And then, so she goes next to the social. It's a bar and grill in the hotel. And she sees her friend Rodney. She obviously likes Rodney. She is really into this guy. She's like enamored with him. Enamored is the perfect word. She's so inept at like conveying those feelings. Yeah. It's so obvious reading it from her perspective. But Rodney just kind of brushes past every statement that she makes. And she thinks she's made this big like flirt, like this big flirt move. And he's just like, yeah, (laughs) just doesn't even really acknowledge it. She says in her inner monologue that she wants him to ask her on a second date because they had a single date about a year ago um and i'm like girl oh no yeah no <laughs> clearly he's not into it poor baby yeah but she thanks or he thanks her for helping out juan which is his friend he kind of doesn't really say much more than that he's just yeah. like yeah no i appreciate yeah. you helping juan out 
Here's your newspapers. So, because she goes to him every day to get newspapers to drop off to the guests. Uh, and the newspaper headline for that morning, again, the morning that of the day that Mr. Black dies, is regarding a family feud in the Black family empire. Trouble within the business. Big, big news. And this family sort of reminded me, in my head, it was like a lesser version of like the Trumps because they Mm. are their business is real estate and they have like a couple of towers in the city so to me I was just like okay so this is like not the Trumps but the Trumps (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's just how I pictured it it's a good comparison I think and then she heads upstairs to her first room is the black suite. So she likes to go to the really important fancy suites first because she knows that her boss, Cheryl, will come in before her and steal her tips, which yeah. is insane. She's like, I know she does it, but I don't have any way to prove it. And I can't really say anything to anybody because there's she leaves just enough tip. So there's still tips there, but... It's so wrong and so, so underhanded. So wrong. It made me instantly very angry. I don't know how she is suppressing her rage at this. Molly sometimes, though, she, sometimes she'll be like, <laughs> I really would just love to murder her. <laughs> she does say things like that into her head. Yeah. She'll be like, I would love, I would to, love drown to drown her like, in a bucket of water or some yeah, shit like that. Yeah, I'd love to like burn her face off with a clothing, a clothing iron. And you're like, okay. See, that's <laughs> what I'm right. saying is I'm like, I think there's some darkness in Molly. Because yeah. she like visualizes how to kill people. But like she never would. I think it's her way of just like getting out that anger and that yeah. frustration is to like picture, which I feel like we've all... <laughs> had a moment where we're like, I wish I could just punch this person in the face. Yeah. So yeah, she does have this like little streak of darkness in her, which keeps you wondering mm-hmm. for long enough. I think it was a smart addition. Yeah, I agree. I guess we already covered this, but like she covers what happened with the blacks with Mr. Black uh, rushing past her and she goes in and Giselle is very upset. Um, she does find Giselle's purse in the suite with Mm-hmm. two tickets to the Cayman Islands, two one-way tickets to the Cayman Islands sticking out of... Yeah, which is immediately red flags. Highly suspicious. <laughs> You're like, ah, the, the Cayman Islands, the place that people set up, like, bank accounts so that they're untouchable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's pretty much her day, like, up until now. So we're back in the present. She's still sitting in Mr. Snow's office, and he comes back with a police officer and her name is detective stark how do we feel about detective stark um at first i understood where she was coming from like after this scene yeah okay. because molly makes herself look really bad in this true scene from the perspective of someone who's just like trying to get an idea of like what's going on and yeah. molly is just and not it's not through molly any fault of her own right she just unknowingly steps in it here. yeah i don't like though that i feel like it would be pretty obvious that molly has some mental stuff going on upon meeting her it would be pretty clear yeah right away right and so i just i i am annoyed by especially how far they take it but even how yeah, for sure put off she is by molly at the beginning so mm-hmm. i'm like okay but really though because obviously that's not her like trying to cover stuff up she's just different she's a different human being like uh, well this is something we probably touched on before that like people 
react differently to shock and to grief. And some people's reaction is to like totally break down. And then some people are unfazed or seemingly unfazed from the outside because they're just trying to like, okay, I just have to keep acting normal and things will be okay. Right. If I just keep acting normal. It's like a form of self-protection. It is. Absolutely. And Molly's normal is different from other people's normal. I think the detective Stark asked her, like a direct question. And before she answers, Molly has to like straighten up stuff on Mr. Snow's desk <laughs> yeah. first before she can answer. Yeah. And then clearly that's a neurodivergent person. So maybe don't be such a dick to them. If like, they're just processing things differently than everyone else does. If it's so obvious, you know, detective Stark asks her, I think straight up something like, did you have anything to do with this? What did you find? Or how did Mr. Black look? And right then Molly is like thinking in her head, she's having a whole separate conversation in her head, which is something I can highly relate to because I'm (laughs) hardly ever talking to someone and only listening to that person. I'm constantly having an ongoing dialogue in my head. And she's thinking of a story and a joke that her grandmother used to say, because something in the room reminded her of that. And so she smiles and then she's like, oh, right. They asked me a question. Yeah. And the detective is like, what the hell? I asked Why you did this you very just direct smile? question about a murder or a death and you just smiled before you answered. And they've, you know, Detective Stark finds that very strange and suspicious. Yeah. Which I think, once again, it would be clear if you could read people a little better, especially because Mr. Snow Mr. could Snow also probably... Her. Yeah, he knows yeah. Molly very well. It's a tricky situation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame Detective Stark yet, but later <laughs> on... I hmm. do already, kind of, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, so she takes her down to the station to, like, you know, be formally questioned, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But Molly just continues to make herself look odd in this situation, by the way she's behaving she answers questions really bluntly yeah questions where normal people would try to have like talk around like oh yeah the the body looked this way or something like she's just like yeah it looked gross and bad <laughs> and <they're laughs> like okay <laughs> she just doesn't like mince words and so they're like okay and you get some flashbacks in this scene into Molly's relationship with Giselle. And mm-hmm. already she is trying to protect this woman. Mm-hmm. And so she's like not lying to the detective, but she's omitting parts of the truth. Right. She's being smart about it. And you learn why um, in her in her monologue. You get a kind of a little montage of moments that she's had with Giselle because they always stay at the the Grand Hotel. They're regular guests and she's become quite fond of Giselle because she's kind to her and yeah. like and meets Molly on Molly's level mm-hmm. and like in a not demeaning way and is able to like recognize that Molly thinks and operates and acts differently mm-hmm. and and help her interact with the world in a not condescending way too like there's one example that she's like yeah she explained to me that like i stand too close to people and i shouldn't stand that close to people and i should try to keep like maybe like the width of my maid's cart 
between me and yeah, people when I'm talking to people. In terms that she can use in her rule book in her head. Yes. And it's so clear that Giselle actually really cares about Molly. I really like Giselle. Yeah, I do too. And we get a little sweet flashback where Molly takes a lunch break one day and Giselle gives her like a makeover in yeah, her room. It's cute. And they bond and chat. Um, but also in the process of that, some things about Giselle's life get brought to the surface as well. Yeah, Giselle has bruises on her arms and her neck um, and basically admits that Charles is abusing her. And Molly hates him for it. She despises this man because of the abuse of Giselle. And I really like that about Molly. Again, like to an extreme kind of dark place in her mind. But um, she's tells Giselle, she's like, you need to leave him. Like, yeah. She can't do and, this to you. And Giselle has previously told Molly that she's like, yeah, you know, you're not the first one to tell me that. In fact, Charles's ex-wife has told me yeah. you need to leave him while you still can. Ms. Black, who's like OG, knows what he's capable of. Knows his shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It is, but you know, Giselle's also kind of like, but I do love him. Like, I chose this life for a reason, and I do love mm -hmm. him. It's hard to know someone in that sort of situation and recognize that it is what it is, but they aren't ready to fully recognize what it is yet. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's going on here because she kind of makes excuses for him and is like, mm -hmm. oh, well, he just gets upset or like he gets a little intense sometimes, but he he yeah. really loves me. He doesn't mean it. And it's just like, girl. It's, it's an abusive relationship. Wait, yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's awful. She's financially dependent. But she's jolted out of this memory by Detective Stark being like, Molly. <laughs> Hello. Have you <laughs> ever talked with Giselle? Like, did you know her? And she has the perfect response of saying, I'm a hotel maid. Who would ever want to talk to me? I love it. I love it. This plays like a movie. It does. It would it be would such be a good. good movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it really would. Okay. So Molly gets dropped off at home by Detective Stark because she doesn't have a car. And... You get a glimpse now into her home life. Um, so she starts like an evening chore routine. She has a list of chores that she does on specific days of the week, uh, which <laughs> is very cute. I'm trying to find it in the book right now. Oh, here it is. So she and her grandmother, who was also a maid, but she was a maid for like a private uh, homeowner. But yeah, Monday, floors and chores. Tuesday, deep cleaning to give meaning. Wednesday, bath and kitchen. Thursday, dust we must. <laughs> Friday, wash and dry day. Saturday, wild card. Sunday, shop and chop. Wild card. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so it's cute. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, what am I going to clean today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. And she talks about her grandmother. Uh, like... Even thus far, she has mentioned her grandmother in the sense that clearly her grandmother kept her grounded in mm -hmm. the societal reality. And she relied on her a lot to ask her questions 
like, hey, this happened to me today and I don't understand what it was going on. Can you explain it to me? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But her grandmother has recently died. And it's it's very upsetting because they were very close. She, I mean, she was raised by this woman. So mm-hmm. I forget at what point it's revealed, but it's not a big reveal or anything. But um, you're told pretty early on that Molly's parents both essentially abandoned her when she was a baby and left her with her grandmother. So since she can remember, she's been raised by this woman and they have the most wholesome relationship. Oh my God. Yeah. I love this book is, I think a reread just for the Molly and grand relationship that you get to like experience. Cause it's so freaking cute. Their memories together are pretty wonderful. They lived together obviously. And a lot of the apartment reminds her of her grandmother. So everything that she does there basically is attached to memories of her. She calls her grand. It's cute. Yeah, they used to have like Columbo marathons and try and guess who the murderer was going to be. And um, they were saving up for Molly's future, like her academic future and calling the little nest egg, the Fabergé egg, which is very cute. Um. This is the point, though, (laughs) in which you learn this nest egg of money is no longer there. It's gone. Yeah. Because Molly got into her one and only relationship with a man named Wilbur. And she thought it was great, started bringing him around, and eventually he stole all their money. It's so awful. He clearly took advantage of her. Yeah. Um, and you don't get the the full story there until later. But yeah, I mean, he wormed his way into her life and then took her money and ran. Yep. And it was, I don't think it was a huge amount of money, but it was like a significant amount of money. It was, it was probably their nest like, egg. Yeah, it was their savings. And it was like grand savings from her whole life. And then Molly had started contributing to these savings as yeah. well. Because I think she's supposed to be like, at this point, like maybe 20 or 21. She's pretty young still. Yeah. Yeah. So it was probably like tens of thousands of dollars, I would imagine. Like, I mean, it was enough to send her to school and it definitely affected Molly in terms of relationships uh, and trusting people in general. Like it was a huge, huge thing that happened to her. She's kind of jolted out of that reverie once again, but this time by the phone ringing in the apartment and it's Mr. Snow being like, Hey, I know you had a really traumatic day at work, but could you come in tomorrow? I know it's your day off, but um, Cheryl's really traumatized and she called out. <laughs> so um, you're going to need to fill in for the boss. And Molly's just like, yep, I need money. Cool. Yep. Let's do it. No problem. So the next chapter starts with her having a really horrible, vivid dream about Mr. Black as a dead man coming into her apartment. It's so scary. It was kind of freaky. Yeah. It was really scary. It was Home invasion is like my worst nightmare. So this was like awful in multiple ways. I thought it was cool when she wakes up. It's like for a moment, I don't remember everything that has happened to me. Like mm. Gran dying of cancer and the fact that she's not here anymore. And that, you know, I just found a dead body yesterday and things. And it's like for that split second, 
everything's cool and then it all comes rushing back in and I, that's so relatable very yeah, yeah very <laughs> relatable yeah so she heads into work and on her way into work she chats with mr preston and kind of casually asks if mr black had any visitors yesterday and he doesn't recall any coming in he's pretty familiar with people coming in and out and he also reiterates to her that like if you ever need help with anything please call me because he knows that like she's in a situation now where she's found this body and he's like just making sure she knows she has somebody mr snow shows molly a newspaper article for that day um headlining mr black's death so it's out in the press it's leaked people know about it it also touches on the Questioning the legitimacy of black properties and investments, their company. Basically, there's a bunch of embezzling rumors swirling about and like where the money was going to go. Like Giselle specifically is mentioned not very nicely in it. Mm -hmm. To which he tells her, hey, Giselle didn't really have anywhere else to go. She has to stay here in town she might as well stay here. So she's been moved to a different room on the second floor. Um, And she's on Sunitha's cleaning circuit now. And Molly's told that she can't clean the black suite, which really irks her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. She's really bothered. She's like, I don't understand why I can't just clean it. And he's like, um, it's a crime scene, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she, she goes and says hi to Juan and gives him his key card everyone's concerned for her you know they're all like yo you okay you found a dead body are you okay and she's like yeah i'm fine why would i not be fine i have to go to work (laughs) they're like okay all right (laughs) yeah and he he makes a comment here that it's one of those comments she doesn't understand a one says aloud like i wonder who's going to be in charge now and she's like what are you interesting i don't think i picked up on that he says that and Molly just kind of brushes it off because she's just like, I don't know what he's talking about. Mr. Yeah. Snow's in charge. I did. I do. Okay. So maybe I do remember him saying that, but I was also super confused. Like, right. What? Yeah. I mean, out of context. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, she goes to see Rodney who has a black eye all of a sudden, which I was immediately like, okay, this is highly suspicious. Man, I this didn't man, trust Rodney from the beginning. <laughs> from the get go. I was like, uh-uh. Nope. Yeah. I'm on to you, sir. Yeah. And he's like, hey, let's meet up later because I want to talk to you about finding Mr. Black's body. So clearly he wants like insider information from her. And she's like, is this a date? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Like the whole subtext of why he would be asking this oh, goes yeah. right past her. Like she's just like all she's hears is he wants to go to a restaurant with he me. wants to go on a date with me he's concerned for me he likes me yeah. mm-hmm. poor mom <laughs> yeah this is one part where i'm like man it really would be helpful to um pick up on these social cues because right yeah <laughs> she thinks about him all day uh while she's cleaning she recalls her date with him a year ago and how that came to be And this is also kind of a turning point in the book where I'm like, I was like, oh, she's got taken advantage of to an extreme level and she still has no idea. And I how interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is 
This is a big plot point. She recalls changing and cleaning her usual rooms for the day. And she walks in on two big burly dudes packing away scales, which I was instantly like, well, yes. <laughs> I mean, anybody else who would sees know that, that instantly knows. Yes. And she doesn't think twice about it. Nope. They're packing scales away into a duffel bag. And Rodney and Juan walk out of the bathroom. And Juan's carrying a brown paper bag, which Molly assumes is his packed lunch. Because <laughs> she's like, a precious little bean. She's <laughs> such like, a man. pure, innocent soul. I know. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. And so clearly these men react and they're like, whoa, this woman just in in our operation and she knows she knows yeah she knows but molly is so oblivious you know eventually they pick up on the fact that she's not a threat and rodney like weasels his way out of the whole situation yeah yeah he he knows her i guess well enough to come over and be like hey molly and is trying to like pick up on like what she saw and how much yeah. She knows, and like, if she's gonna tell anybody, and he wants to take her out to Olive Garden yeah. to talk things over. And so she's like, Oh my God, he's asking me on a date. date. Yeah. Oh my God. She, and she's literally like, I don't see anything wrong with this. And <laughs> it's so funny. She's like, Why would I tell anyone? <laughs> They're like trying to clean up, right? And she, she's like, Guys, there's such a mess in here. Like, literally, if you were gonna try to clean this, you would do it like this. And then see, look, all even all the fingerprints are gone. Like, you really should be cleaning it better. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh, I mean, okay, you can clean up after us if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally, I don't know if it's in this scene or if it's later when she's talking about this same kind of situation, but where she talks about, she's like, and they would leave such a mess and everything would be so dusty when they, like, when they left. And I was like, Molly, <laughs> Molly. my sweet my sweet baby girl oh yeah it's not dust honey <laughs> is this not actually when you like get that scene of them with her in the room no i think it is okay um, yeah, yeah. but I, I couldn't remember one way or the other but yeah i mean it's just clear that like she just it is oblivious oh yeah and so and they're like they slowly dawns on them that she's oblivious and they're like oh okay i guess Great. this is fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she goes out with Rodney to Olive Garden, which is like somewhere she used to love to go with Gran. Yeah, to get the tour of Italy. <laughs> he explains everything to her in a way that he thinks she'll just like accept his answer, like not the actual real situation. Which is true, she does. So he says that Juan is an undocumented immigrant and basically he's like he needs help to support his family in Mexico um, all those friends are with him not me they're not associated with me they're associated with Juan and hey if you wouldn't mind helping out and getting him a place to stay each night in the hotel that would be great and cleaning up after him too cleaning up that room really well after Juan so that no one knows Juan stayed there. And she's like, of course, why wouldn't I do that? He's my friend. Yeah. And I love you, Rodney. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then we cut to their modern day date quotes where Rodney just wants to ask her all about finding Mr. Black's body. Yeah. 
And he also wants to know if anything about Juan came up during police questioning. Or Giselle. Or I think he slips and says himself at one point, did they ask about me? And she was like, why would they ask about you? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I meant meant Juan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. Which I don't know why they would ask about him either. Yeah. Unless he's just insinuating that that they might have uncovered that he's staying there for free. I don't know. Molly doesn't care. He gives her his number and she's like, oh my God. That's all she can think about. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yes, he loves me. When is it appropriate to text him? (laughs) But as they're leaving, Mr. Preston warns her against him. She's like, yo, Molly, maybe don't hang out with Rodney. You need to be careful around this dude. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Mr. Preston, it'll be fine. Rodney's a great guy. No, listen to Mr. Preston. But she gets home from this little outing with him and Giselle is at her apartment, which I thought was highly suspicious. Yeah. And also very risky. Like, just try and bump into her at the hotel or something somewhere. I don't know. I For Giselle to come to Molly's apartment, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I thought she was going to be like, I need to stay here. Like, I'm hiding, Mm -hmm. you know? But she doesn't. Mm -hmm. She, like, comes in for a bit and then leaves. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just put Molly in a lot of danger. Yeah. Yeah. They have tea and Giselle actually tells her her apartment reminds her of home, which... She says this and it it sounds like it would be an insult, but it's not. Like she's looking around Molly's like not so nice apartment and Molly's like apologizing for how it looks and stuff. And she's Mm. like, no, I actually find it really comforting. Like I grew up in a house like this and I came from nothing really. And Yeah. yeah, like just because I'm rich now because I'm married up. This is who I am at my core. Yeah, it's really sweet, actually. She talks with molly just about how awful yesterday was and like the cops of course are accusing her of killing charles charles's daughter who's fully grown and is i think like a 49 percent shareholder yeah called giselle and was just like telling her how terrible and awful she is and like she's just a gold digger and like a like dirt person and like just just being genuinely horrible to her she like this poor woman had like the worst day of her life yesterday and then his daughter calls to tell you that you're the problem i think she does even say that mrs black gets on the phone after the daughter and is like look i'm sorry she's grieving and and this is the way that she's she's taking it out on you mrs black is is quite a stand-up lady (laughs) She is. She's like she has this old money attitude to her where she didn't really seem like she cared that much that she got divorced from Charles. And she just seems at this point in her life like she's just very grateful that she got out of there. Yes. When she did. Yeah. So she doesn't hold any resentment toward Giselle or even really anything. I think she wants to look out for her. Yeah. Just kind of pities her for being kind of caught up in this yeah family's bullshit but giselle tells molly all about how they had argued yesterday right before molly got there Mm -hmm. and it was actually her asking charles to cancel the prenup that they had for their wedding yeah and that she wanted to leave and uh, well i don't even think she was planning on leaving him at this point she was just saying give me we don't have like a home yeah She's, We're traveling all the she time. She doesn't have a home specifically. Yeah, because 
he has, I think, several, but none of them are in her name. So, like, if anything were to happen and he left her, she would be homeless. Yeah, she's like, I don't have anything. So you have this villa in the Caymans. It's my favorite place in the whole world. And I just want, like, a home base that is my house, my home. When you go off on business or something, I can go there and I can retreat there and just be home. I totally get this. That lifestyle would not suit me very well. They continue talking and Charles had pills spilled next to him when she found his body. And they are Giselle's pills. And so Giselle was like, oh, what? They weren't like in the bathroom with the rest of my stuff. They were by him. Like he took them, I guess. Right. She seems startled at that news. And she also asks Molly, hey, like, I know I'm not on your circuit, but would you mind being my maid for the rest of the time that I'm staying at the Grand while this investigation is happening? Like, not that my maid now is bad, but like, I just am comfortable with you. I know you. I'd rather you be my maid, which is very cute. It's all very sweet. It's all very cute. Until she gets up to leave. She turns around and she's like, oh, hey, Molly. I get this one other teeny little favor. It's just a little itsy bitsy little favor that can I ask of you to to do this? I have this gun. <laughs> you see, there's my gun and it's in our suite that is being investigated by the police right now. Can you go get it for me? <laughs> I hit it in the bathroom fan. Please retrieve it and bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) And the last thing she says as she's leaving, because Molly's like, yeah, I I can do that for you. Like, sweet Molly. Sweet Molly. Because she's her friend and she trusts her. But just as Giselle's leaving, she's like, "Um, actually, though, but where did you, how did you know where I live? And Giselle's like, oh, like someone at the hotel told me. Which sounds innocuous because, like, it could be Mr. Snow, who probably does have her home address. It could have been Mr. Preston, who probably has her home address. But I'm like, but but was it, though? Yeah. I have my suspicions. It's not either one of them. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, because at this point, I really, really wanted to like Giselle because of the way she treats Molly. But she's sus. There was never really a point I didn't, I wanted to trust her the whole book i don't know that i did because after this the gun and the and the somebody told me and blah 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 i was like oh no i feel like i shouldn't but i really want to because she's so kind to molly and in a genuine way and not not in a way where molly is mistaking her for being kind but like she is genuinely kind to molly and looks out for molly so it was it would have been a really big bummer if giselle was bad and so this did not bode well and i was worried yeah but this book is pretty damn awesome. And <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, I really. <laughs> um, okay, so at work the next day, Rodney catches up with Molly and asks her to place Juan's duffel bag into the black suite for him. Um, and is like, hey, the police are gone. Like, they finished their investigation. No guests are going to be allowed in there for a while because obviously. Um, So Juan's going to stay in that room. So can you put his shit in there? This just backed up my Rodney is super sus. Oh, yeah. He has probably like 10 tick marks in his box already of being like, this man has something to do with this. Yeah. 
I don't know how, but he does. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm cleaning that suite today anyway because the police are gone and I need to, you know, return it to a state of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she does that. She puts the bag in there and she cleans the suite. She gets the gun. She does the thing. She hides it in a pretty good spot, actually. She, like, empties her vacuum out and then puts the gun in the bag of her vacuum. It is smart. To, like, sneak it out of the suite. As but she, as she yes. go ahead. No, as she's emptying the vacuum to uh, put the gun in there, like a big clump of dust falls out, and she realized that she vacuumed up Mr. Black's wedding ring. This I don't know how the police missed this if she just vacuumed it up. I that means agree. it was just like laying on the floor. Well, the, the police seem to miss a lot of stuff. Like they did not clean up after themselves at all. So she's like cleaning up fingerprint dust. Like, all kinds of shit. And I I have a feeling the police just missed a lot anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yes. And it seems later, it's never confirmed, but it seems as though, tell me if you got this vibe, that Molly thinks that it was left for her on purpose by Giselle so that she could pawn it. I didn't know what to think or how to perceive this we can talk about this in further detail later but there's a couple of things that the author does with the story where i think she makes it intentionally vague because molly lives in this in in this vague headspace because there's like big plot points later where i'm like i don't know for sure what happened one way or the other because it puts you in Molly's. It's Molly's head space. It puts you in her headspace of like not really knowing for sure one way or the other about things. And I think this is one of them. Molly's interpretation of this could be totally valid, or we could potentially think that the police missed it, or right. it could be just neither. And Mr. Black took it off and dropped it or whatever. But it's like she doesn't ever clarify why this ring is there that is kind of smart yeah because it is from molly's perspective and it's how molly takes it (laughs) so she does take it to mean that she was meant to find it and she (laughs) goes and pawns it and she's like it's a couple like this is just what i need thousand dollars because i don't think we mentioned it but she's having trouble making rent now that gran is gone dead and her nest egg is gone so, yeah, she's like, this was meant to happen. In my mind, I thought that she was thinking that, like, it was left for her as, like, a thank mm-hmm. you kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know how that would be realistic, though, now that I'm thinking about it. But, yeah, she goes and pawns it on her lunch break. And instantly pays her rent with it. Um, she gets back to the hotel, though, to find that Detective Stark is back in the lobby and they are there specifically for Molly and they take her back to the police station for round two of questioning. Where she learns that Mr. Black had drugs in his system, Mm -hmm. benzodiazepine uh, laced with other street drugs, Uh, which Molly's like, oh, not what I expected Giselle to be taking, but okay okay (laughs) yeah um and detective stark is a big old asshole she's a huge dick here and continues to be yeah (laughs) pretty much for the rest of she's like confess you're in contact with giselle 
we're gonna get you we'll be watching you yeah i like here molly is specifically asked are you in contact with giselle and she is able to lie by saying no because i'm literally not contacting her right Right now now. yeah and so it's justified in her mind (laughs) yeah like this is how her brain works where she's she thinks so literally about things where she's like i can say that i'm not because i'm not currently in in contact contact. (laughs) which honestly great way not to perjure yourself molly because you're not lying but (laughs) but (laughs) you're lying (laughs) she was at your house (sighs) yeah (laughs) yeah so she's let go with a like stern mm-hmm. we're watching you bullshit warning um and this really kind of shakes her up because she did lie and she knows she lied even though she yeah walked around it in her head a certain way so who does she call <laughs> freaking rodney dude <gasps> and she tells him everything oh, I was so upset by this and I was literally so upset by this. the <laughs> other end of the phone is he just like huh that's great news I'll take care of it. (laughs) Yeah. I was so upset by this. Like, I wanted her to call Mr. Preston when she was like, yeah, thinking like I need to call someone to talk this over with. And I was hoping she would call him, but no, she called freaking Rodney and Rodney. Yeah. (sighs) Shock of the century. The police show up at her door the next morning and they arrest her in her pajamas for possession of drugs. Possession of a firearm and first degree murder. Which I don't feel like they have enough to arrest her for that quite yet. Probably not. They're probably going off of only Rodney's testimony of like, she told me this over the phone. Yeah. I think they have enough to bring her in on two of those. Yeah. Maybe. But like, she's so shocked she straight up faints oh, yeah. when they try to arrest her yeah <laughs> Bless her. yeah she wakes up in jail um in her pajamas yeah like you said um and she gets taken in her pajamas to that same interview room for a third mm-hmm. time yeah and rodney obviously told them because he knew about the ring and the gun they know about the ring and the gun they found them both so yeah apparently uh, Cheryl is nosy as hell and followed Molly to the pawn shop is what uh, I don't horrible know, it's just, it's upsetting. Yeah. But the police think that she smothered Mr. Black with a pillow that she was involved in a high level drug trade that occurs in the hotel and she's so shocked by all of this that she can't even like begin to defend herself no she's just like I I don't know how you could possibly think these things of me. Yeah. And this detective Stark is a real dick about it. Like, like hardcore. I was getting so frustrated reading it. It's a really intense scene. And yeah, you just want to like grab Stark by the shoulders and be like, just calm down and listen to her. Calm down. I mean, she's saying horrible things to Molly. She's like, you know, we talked to the people at the hotel and they think, you're more than capable of murder and that you're really weird and on and on. Yeah, she makes her feel so bad about herself, yeah. like as a person. And like, that's so, that's so awful to say that to somebody, especially knowing that like, that is her world. That is Molly's whole 
world is the hotel and the people in it. And to tell her that they all think she's a weirdo and yeah. is so heartbreaking. It is. It's horrible. It's horrible. Won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police! But she finally does call Mr. Preston. Though, yeah, she does call help. Mr. Preston, which is good. Yeah. Yes. Because Mr. Preston's daughter, Charlotte, is a litigator. <laughs> we love Charlotte. We love Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's great. I, she comes in guns a blazing. She's like, Molly, I got your back. Just like total bitch mode against Detective Stark. And just like, but mm-hmm. in a like professional and legal way. It's great. Yeah. She shows up and Detective Stark is like, well, she has to be bought out on bail. And I'm not sure if you know, but she's a hotel maid and those sort of people don't tend to make very much money. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And Charlotte doesn't bat an eye. And she's like, yeah, I paid her $800,000 bail. She's coming home with me. And I was like, yes, yes, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty awesome. It's pretty great. Yeah. (laughs) But they, they tell her she has to have a hearing first. It's her bail hearing. And that if that goes well, she'll be released right. and be able to come home. The judge basically night. just has to be like, yeah, she's not a flight risk. Basically. But it's not something that Charlotte can be her lawyer for. for. Yeah. Like, she can't go to her ba- bail hearing. I love this scene so much. Like, I love the whole lead up to it. So she's, like, still in her pajamas, right? And she gets given a lawyer to defend her by the state. And Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Just tell him you're not going to, like, leave the country or, (laughs) like, town and you'll be fine. And because Molly is Molly, she says some off-the-wall shit that is very, like, true to her but comes across really strange. And he's like, maybe we should practice a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then they get into this courtroom and Molly wins over the judge by being molly it's great and detective stark makes herself look like a fool yes she basically comes across sounding like she's having like delusions of like she's like she's like a the head of this like massive drug ring and she killed him she has all these secrets and the judge is looking at molly in her like cupcake pajamas and is like (laughs) are we talking about the same person and molly's like your honor i i've (laughs) it's like it was more about the she talked about the practicality of even being able to leave she's like literally it's not in my capabilities to leave right like i don't have a car i don't have any money i I, i've never been outside of the city she's like literally i would be so overwhelmed by the idea of being in a new place like i can't do it (laughs) and he's like okay i don't think we need to worry about you leaving yeah you can go home yeah and i do like that after she gets out charlotte's like yeah you can tell the judge thinks that detective stark is barking up the wrong tree um they get her back home it's very sweet they're like taking care of her they like make her a cup of tea and she goes and showers and freshens up and they just clearly very much care about her the dad daughter dynamic of mr preston and charlotte is really freaking cute (laughs) they're really cute together she tells them all about 
finding Mr. Black's body and the pills that were next to his body. Mm-hmm. Apparently benzodiazepine is usually white, but these were blue, which, which is, a, you know, second confirmation they were street drugs. And, um, they talk about how he was having affairs, um, and hiring sex workers at the hotel, like during both of his marriages, yeah. like this is not new behavior. The first Mrs. Black and Giselle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Molly tells uh, them about the gun uh, and pawning Mr. Black's ring. And then the fact that there were traces of cocaine found on Molly's maid cart. And this is news to Molly. She's horrified. She's like, I can't imagine how that would have gotten there. Yeah. So she then begins to tell them about how she's been helping out Juan Manuel. And it's like the dawning of what Molly has been doing for the past year through the text in this book was great. And watching the Prestons react to Molly explaining all of this and they are seeing the real context of it. Yeah. And it's dawning on them like how deeply she's been swindled yeah. into being complicit in this drug trade and has zero idea. Yeah. And they're like, it, she's just so innocent about it. And they're just like, poor Molly. <laughs> poor Molly. <laughs> and they're like, oh no. Yeah. And like through them reacting that way, she starts to realize it too. Basically, Juan has been being forced to cut drugs every single night. And Molly has been cleaning up after them and transporting the drugs in her cart. Unknowingly. It's bad. And like, as a lawyer, I don't, that is like, oh no. I don't really know how (laughs) How she would ever get off for this and prove that she wasn't like Like, just had no idea. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really know. We're not going to worry about it, but um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So Charlotte goes into action mode because she's a badass. And she's like, we need to do research on the hotel, on Rodney, on Giselle. We need to get Juan over here. We need to hear his story, get him involved, because he's going to be a big part of it. Um, So Juan does come over, which is very kind of him. Like, I was, uh, I wasn't sure where I landed on Juan before this. Yeah. Because... It's like clear that he's part of this situation, but you don't know if it's good or how, bad. Right, how complicit he is in it and what the full extent of his involvement is. But he is willing to like come over and talk to them about it. And he explains that um he backs up Molly's testimony saying, like, I was there the day that she walked in and she just genuinely had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like they have been taking advantage of her this whole time. And um, he reveals that Giselle and Rodney are having an affair and that there is photographic evidence of this. Poor Molly is just getting the shit kicked out of her. (laughs) Right. Her world is so rocked by these (laughs) several revelations in a row where she is just absolutely floored at the concept of like these things happening right in front of her that she just had zero awareness of. And the fact that she loves Giselle and is like enamored with Rodney, but Rodney's just betrayed her. And now she kind of feels like Giselle. She's like, Oh, but like now they are in this together. She kind of sticks though on the Giselle is not involved in this train. And I appreciate that about her. 
Right. It's like she believes in who she knows Giselle to be. She decides to trust Giselle. I think having that sort of loyalty and trust says a lot about a person. Um, And it's a good call. I'm glad she does that. And so they concoct a fun little plan here. Yeah. So they do not tell you the plan. It just plays out. So the group has Molly text Rodney and ask him to meet up, which is very cute when they're doing this because they're coming up with texts for her. And Juan Manuel is so adorable. And he's like, no, that doesn't sound like my Molly. Mm -mm, Like she would not text like this because Charlotte types it out and it's like, you know, she's using like shorthand. Yeah. And it's like, no, Molly's is going to be fully capitalized, punctualized. Everything's going to be, it's going to be full sentences. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. Um, He knows her so well. It's very cute. And he, Rodney agrees to meet her at Olive Garden. And Molly is like super anxious about it because she knows she has to deceive him. Um, But they like practice with her and get her ready for it. It's cute. I would be really nervous about doing this. It would give me a ton of anxiety, but she handles it very well. Like Um, a champ. She meets up with Rodney at Olive Garden and makes him believe that under pressure at the police station, she told them all about Juan and his friends and says they'll be going to check out the Black Suite again. And Rodney is like, oh my God, why would you tell them all of that? Ah." He's like, oh my God, Juan's duffel bag is in there. Like, I need to, I need to get there before the police get there to, you know, get that shit out of there. Mm -hmm. And, and she's also like, oh, and they're not suspecting me at all. They're looking for someone else. So... I'm good. Yeah, they let me go. Um, So, yeah. And he's like, what? (laughs) She tells him... Well, first, she swindles him into buying a shit ton of food, which I really enjoy. I think that was great. Great addition. Yeah. She orders, like, a large pizza and a big lasagna, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Salad and breadsticks. Yeah. And he's like, no, we don't... We're just getting drinks. And she's like, no, no, no. We're going to take... We're going to take a big lunch. Yep, a bunch of food and to then go. Thank you. Yeah. Orders it all to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she tells him that Mr. Black, she learned at the police station, that Mr. Black didn't leave Giselle anything in his will. And Rodney literally says, not even the villa in the Caymans. Sir, you have no... Ch- Bro. <laughs> like, I thought you would have a little bit more savviness to than this no he's fucking stupid you dumb like this is when i really like i already didn't like him but i was like but you're dumb on top of it like (laughs) at least be like clever about your trickery yeah he's just stupid yeah so she goes back to the apartment with the bunches and bunches of food (laughs) um and just as they're starting to eat the news comes on the TV and there is a press conference saying that they've arrested the killer and that they're gonna be revealing who that is shortly. They're like, well, we only have about an hour, uh, so we have to just hope that Rodney doesn't see this before he goes to clean the suite because that will ruin everything. And adds a (laughs) level of suspense. So It really does. Uh, so they go to carry out the plan, which means that Charlotte uh, heads to the police station downtown so that she can be there ready to alert the police right when they need to. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Preston and Molly head to the hotel. Yep. And 
Mr. Snow immediately comes out when Molly comes in and is like, you can't be here. I fired you. And she's very upset by this. Like, I think genuinely. Well, yeah, that too. Yes. (laughs) She's very upset by it. um, But then she's also intentionally trying to make a scene. You know the uh, scene in National Treasure 2 where they're in Buckingham Palace and they make a scene? And this is what that reminded me of. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it is like the classic, like, I can't believe these people are falling for it, but also I guess they would. Why wouldn't Why they? Wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a whole big thing. And Mr. Preston goes to get security, quote unquote, um, but instead steals the master key card from Cheryl and then sneaks it back out into the lobby and into Molly's hands as she's leaving. Then Rodney also comes out of the hotel and pulls Molly aside, pretending to tell her to go away. And she's like, okay, here's the card to the suite. You can get in and get the bag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're good to go. And then she goes across the street to a cafe and watches it happen. (laughs) Watches it all go down. And it's pretty great. Watch. She's just, I love the picture of her just like sitting in my head. It's like, Bob's Burgers and it'd be like them (laughs) calling something in on fucking (laughs) Jimmy across the street. (laughs) Yeah. Watching. Yes. (laughs) So at this point, there's still quite a bit of book left and it seemed like it was endgame, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, there's too much of the book left. Something is gonna go wrong. Hmm. I was just waiting for it. And I was like, man, this is not going to work out the way that they want it to. And I was very nervous for them. I think what I thought was this would go well and that they would get Rodney, but that it would only clear up the drug ring stuff Mm. and that the murder investigation would still be open-ended because I didn't, I, I still didn't think Rodney killed him him. or had anything to do with his murder yeah so i was thinking like okay well this is going to wrap up the drug stuff but like we still have the who did it question of the murder to figure out but i mean so it works they get rodney like the police show up and he comes out in handcuffs um Mm -hmm. and detective stark sees molly in the cafe and like Mm. nods to her but then I was like, okay, so they believe her now that she's not guilty. Like, even with that just, like, little nod. But Molly kind of goes off script while she's sitting in the cafe. Yeah. Um, I like and this makes, part. makes a lethal phone call to Giselle and warns her, hey, shit's about to go down. You need to take those plane tickets to the Cayman Islands and get the hell out. And just leave. Leave. Don't come back. You aren't going to be under suspicion. Like, they are catching somebody else. But, like, you have to go. Because if you're still here, it's just not going to be good. Yeah. And Giselle swears up and down that she didn't know Rodney had involved Molly in the drug trade. And the reason he has a black eye is because she hit him when she found out. And they fought about it. Um, And, obviously, she's like, and I did not kill my husband. Um, You know, Molly says, I believe you. Yeah, they still maintain a level of trust between them. And it seems like Giselle is going to follow her directions and 
get the hell out of there. Which is awesome that she does that, that she takes it seriously from Molly and is like, yes, I will do this. I loved that. So uh, Juan, who this whole time, they warned him, they were like, you don't need to be anywhere near the hotel because that's going to be bad. And we'll like, Charlotte plans on helping Juan out because when Juan first comes over and is like telling them everything, he explains that he is being blackmailed by Rodney and the drug ring. Um, and that is how he got like brought in uh, and forced to cut every night. So he went to like re-up his visa mm-hmm. legally. And Rodney was like, oh, I, I got somebody that can take care of that for you. Yeah. And just straight up stole his documents and never filed any paperwork. Yeah. So and all his Juan money. Is, yeah. Yeah, and all of his money. And so Juan is now like indebted to this man and also stuck in the country as an illegal immigrant and so has to cut drugs every night. And that's what's going on with him. He's a slave, essentially. It's bad. So Charlotte has also agreed to help Juan get his paperwork in order and get his shit figured out so that he can stay. Yeah, we like Juan. So yeah, Molly returns and fills Juan in on everything that happened. Like Rodney's arrested and um, Charlotte says, yeah, I will be there in a few hours. I'm taking care of stuff here at the police station, but you two just wait there. And we have a really cute scene. Yeah. With Juan and Molly. Juan is just the best. So for starters, every time that she comes in, he takes her shoes and like cleans them for her. And puts them away, which is something that she mm-hmm. does for herself and for others, but he does it for her. Like, he just understands already fundamentally what she needs. It's beautiful. It gives me, like, a sigh of relief to know that she's, like, found Juan. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, yeah. she found someone. And he cares for her in a very, in a way that she she deserves. So, Charlotte and Mr. Preston and Detective Stark get there. Well, I guess the they have dinner. Scene. Yeah, <laughs> They clean up the apartment together, yeah. which Molly just loves mm. and they make dinner together that's all they do but it's just adorable it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah so then everybody else comes over and um they want to get juan and molly's full story and so like we said juan is going to be assisted by the government to reinstate his visa mm-hmm. and um we get a little moment here with mr preston yeah. And I'm excited to talk about this moment because okay. it was another one of those moments where I felt like Molly in that I didn't fully know what people were saying yeah. when they were saying them. Molly does not go that way in her brain with it. But I think the audi- the reader is supposed to. Yeah. Okay. So Mr. Preston confesses that he used to be engaged to or like in love with at the very least gran yeah when they were very young and that her parents would not let them get married so they had to split for one reason or another because they could they weren't allowed to get married Mm -hmm. and it is heavily insinuated heavily when gran did get married she was already pregnant yep And so it's kind of heavily insinuated that maybe that baby was Mr. Preston's baby. Yeah. So maybe he is Molly's grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. But Molly never picks up on that at all. No, she doesn't. Nope. They go right past it. Charlotte kind of does. She's like, whoa, dad, what? Yeah. She says, like, is there anything 
else that you want to tell us? He's like, no. no. And Molly's just like, oh, that's great. Okay, thank you for sharing. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I was yeah. sitting there reading like, but yeah, I need, and he, I'm going to need some confirmation on that. He says, uh, you know, when your grand was about to die, she asked me to look out for you, Molly. Like, and I'm like, as a grandfather figure? <laughs> right, like, uh, because, because she's your granddaughter? Yeah. I don't, I I, and like I, they kept up with each other all these years yes, too. Yeah, and so I'm like, it had, and he's always really cared about Molly. And yeah, I'm like, it had to be in my head canon. I guess he's her. I think so too. I like it, and I like mm-hmm. that they left it open ended for that as like a who maybe. And I like your theory as to why it doesn't get explained is because it's from Molly's perspective and she doesn't pick up on it and. I like that they're okay leaving it as is like they're like we don't necessarily need to like shake Molly's entire opinion of her grandmother yeah or question her own history like we're just gonna let it ride and like we'll just be in her life yeah fully from this moment on uh, I'm like, okay that's I love that I like it when you put it like that oh my gosh <laughs> this warms my soul okay um yeah. I that's how I hope it happened and charges are dropped against molly so detective yeah, stark is yeah. like i made a mistake i'm sorry they really kind of put it to detective stark as she's sitting here getting the full actual picture yeah. of everything and like oh shit molly is did not do this <laughs> yeah she's like wow it was a real they kind of make her confess to being a hard ass for no reason yeah i enjoyed that yeah. <laughs> juan is going to stay with molly in the meantime because Obviously, like, he can't really do the hotel thing anymore. And she has a spare room in her apartment. Um, but it's Gran's room. And she has specifically not been in Gran's room since Gran passed away. So she cleans up her own room so that Juan can sleep in there. But she's like, but I need to, like, face. Yeah. Like her demons. Gran. Yeah. Gran's room. This scene is very emotional. It it's it got really to me pretty hard. hard. She goes into a memory of the day that Graham passed, and um, I mean, I guess it it's for the few like weeks or so leading up to Graham's passing, um, and you know, she tells Molly like I'm just in a holding pattern at this point there's nothing they can do except manage my pain yeah and this is a really hard section if you've ever had a family member or a friend go through the specific type of of medical fight yeah. this point is always really hard to reach where it's just like nothing more can be done yeah we just have to manage your quality of life for however much time you have and it through Molly's story becomes quite clear that like Gran is while she's being treated for pain, she's still in a lot of pain yeah. and like her quality of life is really low. She can't really leave bed. Molly sits with her and they just kind of watch Columbo together all day. But Gran really like sleeps through a lot of it. Like it's, it's very heartbreaking. It is tough. And Molly doesn't really understand why the medicine isn't helping her it's like she she just can't fully wrap her head around comprehensible to her 
Which makes it even more hard because it's almost like a child's perspective. Yes. Like, or like, you know how it's harder to leave your dog than it is to leave your spouse or something if you're going away for a long time and then coming back because like your dog does not understand why you left. They just think you're gone. Yeah. And it's like in Molly's mind, she's like, these doctors all want to help you and they're giving you pills to make it better. Why isn't it making it better? It leads to Gran like not even wanting to take the pills because they're not helping a ton anyway. Comes to find out that Gran has kind of been saving up pills. Yeah. And she plans to take them all at once. She just tells Molly one day, she's like, I think it's time. Yeah. I want to take the rest of my medicine. Mm-hmm. And, and they've clearly Molly talked does, about it. Like, Molly agreed. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. Molly definitely understands, like, what is happening here yeah. and what Gran is asking of her. Yeah. It's very clear. Yeah. Like, this is something they have discussed. And um, yeah, so she helps Gran take the remainder of her pills. And I don't know that it's enough to actually cause her to pass but it's enough to it's like sedate her kind of yeah she it like makes her go under um into a heavy sleep and then i loved the the parallel here Mm -hmm. but she holds a pillow to gran's face to help her pass which is just like holy shit suffocates her grandmother yeah it's assisted suicide it's wild because that she just got accused of murder for doing for murdering someone specific in thing. the same way, and it with the pills and the pillow. Oh God, I'm, ooh, the tears. It's just wild <laughs> to think of like how your brain would handle that. Yeah, and like Molly's brain works differently. Yeah, but like how your brain would handle like that trauma. Yeah. Being brought back up in such a direct, specific way is so wild to think about. It's really insane. Um, Yeah. And then the, you know, doctors just come and took her grandma away and like no one, you know, batted an eyelash at her. Yeah. Because, I mean, she was was already in that holding pattern of like, it's only a matter of time sort of thing. So, yeah. So it was never anything that she was in suspicion for. She goes into Grand's room and... And kind of faces that that memory, yeah. um, which she has clearly been suppressing. Ooh, it's hard. It's that kind of thing really gets to me, man. Stuff. Mm-hmm. It's hard to face your shit. Like yeah. it's so hard, and like reading somebody else do it mm-hmm. is just as hard. I think. Also, I want to like. I didn't mean to compare Molly to a dog early. <laughs> I just oh that was just what it made me think of, but like I do not think that her intelligence is on the same level as a dog's. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even question that because I, I knew you wouldn't, but okay, okay I'm glad you cleared wanted to clear that. Um <laughs> anyways. Oh, oh my god. When she wakes up the next morning, Juan is making breakfast for them. It's super sweet. <sighs> I love it so much. He's making her a special, he's making her a traditional Mexican breakfast. And see, she she talks about tea and crumpets so much. Yeah. I'm like, this has to be in England. <laughs> and just yeah. the fact that they call them crumpets. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but she's she's oh like, well, God. I'll make you <laughs> my traditional breakfast. And 
they have like their cute little Mexican and English breakfast together. And it's so freaking cute. <laughs> Anna wrote in her notes, they are so cute together. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't handle it because Molly's talking about how she puts the, um, I think she puts like some of Juan's like, spicy eggs that he made onto a crumpet and she's like this is so good and we put the butter with the crumpet and the eggs and she's yeah. like oh look, like I don't know I was just like stop <laughs> this is too much. you're like overly emotional after reading the last chapter yeah. as well and to like wake up to yeah. the most wholesome like breakfast scene I was like oh yeah yeah um and then they receive a call and it's Mr. Snow who apologizes to both of them and gives them their jobs back so that's cool. Yeah. It's like justice, which is, I feel like, kind of rare uh, in these kinds of stories. And I I don't know how realistic it is, but I love it. <laughs> I like that he kind of takes some accountability here because he gives them their jobs back and, and even says, you know, I'm really sorry that I so quickly and readily believed what the police were telling me about the two of you and and even like, though i knew you both i knew you both better than that and know that you wouldn't do that sort of thing and you're not those type of people and i'm really sorry that i believed it so quickly and i was like wow. thank you wow i would have needed to hear that. yeah yeah <laughs> like, and i love that molly's just like yep it's okay i'll be back at work <laughs> Yeah, she's just delighted to go back yeah. to work genuinely. Yeah. So excited to go back to work. I also want to mention because we didn't and I really I think it's such a good Charlotte moment specifically. So Molly's been like being late on her rent and her landlord is super sleazy anyways. Oh, and yes. has been being a dick about it. And then the police came and arrested her and like came to his building. And so he's like, dude, mm -hmm. you've got to go. You are clearly bad news. I'm evicting but you. But Charlotte, like, puts her foot down on that man, and she's like, um, I see violations here. Also, she's not convicted of anything. Also, she paid you her money, and, you know, one after the other just shuts him down. Mm-hmm. Um, you love to see it. Because yeah. I think Molly had paid him, and he kept refusing to give her a receipt yeah. for it. So he was, like, being really extra sleazy. And then, like, yeah, Charlotte nip that in the bud real fast she's like no we're not doing we're not doing that mm -mm. so <laughs> all of molly's life is kind of like coming full circle around it's like yeah everything's mm. like all the little things are like sewed up in nice little bows uh and then the next chapter is several months later and i was like oh shit cool okay um mm -hmm. one of the first things you learn is that molly and juan are dating now love it I love to see I love it. it. And the trial, like, I I really like that we got to see how that played out. Yes. Usually you just like, oh, they caught him and they took him to jail and that's the end of the book. And you're like, okay, but I'm an American and I know how the justice <laughs> system works over here. And like, that is not confirmation of anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. I need to know there was a conviction. Yes. Please. What happened? Molly has been promoted to head and maid. Finally. Thank goodness. Cheryl got what demoted. Were you thinking, Mr. Snow? Honestly, yeah. And she the way she treats her employees and her job is like so perfect. Yeah, she's so, so sweet to everybody. She puts like little notes on their carts in the morning. On like Mother's Day, she puts notes on Yeah, and like little gifts. Their and carts. 
And they've hired um, either Sunshine or Sunitha's son now works with them too, which is very cute yeah. and sweet. Like, it's just, it's like a happy little family now. Yeah. I love it. It's very sweet. And, you know, I mean, Cheryl's still there, but she's been put in her place. And Molly's like, if you fucking do anything, I will put your ass out on the street. If you steal <laughs> any of their tips, I will fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Not really, but I think like <laughs> the Molly in Molly's head was like, I will fucking kill you. And then we get a little scene from the trial where Molly goes off script when she's on the witness stand and she's like, actually, guys, I saw the killer in the room behind me in a mirror when I found Mr. Black dead that day. And she's like, she doesn't confirm, deny anything else. And she says it caused because I don't think I don't know if we actually ever mentioned it, but like when she first found Mr. Black, she looks up and looks in the mirror and faints. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then you find out in this scene what she saw in the mirror was someone standing behind behind her, her, which was I was so creeped out by this. Yeah, me too. The fact that there was somebody there because this whole time I've been picturing it entirely differently in my head and I was like, yeah. oh my God, there was another person in there? What do you mean? I didn't know if she was telling the truth. I'm like, what is she doing right now? Yeah, I, it was a little concerning because when I first read this. clearly she's like, Rodney looked at me in the courtroom as though he was seeing me for the first time, clearly. And I'm like, she's doing this to put enough doubt in the jury's mind so that he gets convicted. And that's why she's doing it. And I'm like, is she finally lying to make sure he gets put behind bars? What's going on? I think she definitely was. Yeah. Well, she but isn't lying. She's just omitting the truth. I think that was her motivation yes. is what yeah, I'm saying. To put him. I think she was finally like, no, fuck this yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. And Giselle has refused to return to the country to serve as a witness. Um, they don't suspect her of murder anymore but they were like we are having a trial and uh you're heavily involved and she was just like nope. no i'm good I'm gonna stay you can here. come get me if you want me to come <laughs> yeah and yeah they don't care and she much. wires molly ten thousand dollars <laughs> it's like thanks what yeah what a g what a man. g right <sighs> yeah just sounds the best yeah. i really like her character so then we get an epilogue the and epilogue. we get the full actual story it's so good of what happened so the day Mr. Black died. And I was like, oh, ah, my God. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Do, do. Okay, so. She sees somebody in the mirror. That actually happened. It is true. It is Mrs. Black. The first. The first Mrs. Black. And she's standing in the corner horrified holding a pillow (laughs) and so she had come to ask Charles to please turn over more control of the company to his daughter because she had 49% she wants so badly to make this company better and to do more with it than we are currently doing and you're running it into the ground bro and she can't get anything done because you have the majority so please like sign more shares over to her so she can actually try and improve on this. He was drunk at the time. He was popping pills. He became violent. And then at some point he went into like cardiac arrest because of the pills. The police do say earlier that it wasn't enough pills in his system to kill him. 
just like got himself into enough of like a drunken drug violent stupor that he just passed out and she was like hmm, hmm. I could I think that's how it was I feel like it wasn't premeditated when she yeah, went over there she just took advantage she just took advantage because she's like I have been under his thumb so long Victoria is under his thumb and so is Giselle and she cares about all of them and she's so nice to Molly <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. She to gets Molly. her some water. She's like, "Girl, are you okay?" Like she doesn't just leave her there, you know. Yeah. So like when Molly, so Molly faints, and when she wakes up, per the trial story and the story we've been told the whole book is that she was still alone. Mm-hmm. But when she wakes up, Mrs. Black is still there and takes care of her, and they kind of agree to say that mm. I never saw you here. You never saw me here. And I'll just say, I came in and found him. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. That's how we leave Um, it off. It's fucking perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, Earl. (laughs) 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 Bye. (laughs) It's like, I am such a sucker for... I say this as far as, like, I love a story where women band together Vigilante to knock justice. out a piece of shit man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then they just mutually agree to like not rat on the other. Yep. yep. And they pin it on a other equally horrible man. You love to see it, you know, <laughs> in fiction, it's I'm okay with it. More of this. Right. <laughs> in fiction. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> just like wrap up all of our worst problems by pinning it on worse people. Yep. <laughs> I don't see what problem with that. <laughs> um, I give it a five out of five. I loved it so much. Yeah, I, I really did too. Um, it's at least a four and a half. It might be a full five for me because I do like I kind of rate books either are like on how much of an impact they had on me or how like rereadable I think they are. Mm. And I think this one has both of those. Like yeah. I, I think it is very rereadable. And I think you would pick up on more things the second time around. And there's so much more that we can't even really get across mm-hmm. about Molly and Gran's relationship. Yeah. They, it, like it's so deeply woven mm-hmm. into Molly as a person. Yeah. All of her thoughts. Yeah. Like it's just, it's such a good, well-written relationship and it's so warm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that relationship alone is enough to read this book a second time yeah. for. Highly recommend for reading sure. it in general um, if you haven't before listening to this because, yeah, like Hannah said, there's a lot that we can't get across. Um, and it was so fascinating to read from her point of view in the way the way that it is written. Being inside her head was a great time. Yeah. I really enjoyed her yeah. as a character. I would love to see a movie. Oh, yeah. I think the movie would be awesome. Like, usually I'm iffy about books to movies. Yeah. And most books I'm fine staying in my head, you know. But, like, this one, I genuinely think... I think they could pull it off. ...would make a really good movie. And I think you could make Molly be so... Mm-hmm. Endear- like, I, I just feel like it would be such a cute... Yeah. ...little, like, warm, cozy movie. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> Um, yeah, because they don't leave you in suspense for all that long, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end. I love that you get 
like several months later and an epilogue. Yes. And the payoff, the payoff is there. It's so good. And I honestly was not expecting it to be Mrs. Black. And she never really crossed my mind once, to be honest. No, I didn't think so either. It made total sense. But I was just like, I really thought if it was anybody, it would have been Giselle. Yeah. I was delighted that it, it was Mrs. Black, me too. honestly. <laughs> it was a great, <laughs> great choice. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Well, that's been another episode of Senior Detectives. Um, next time we're going to be talking about Outer Wilds, which yeah. is a video game. That one's going to be interesting and fun to talk about because it's like a an open exploration video game. Which uh, Hannah and me partially played on hannah's youtube channel hannah for gaming yes so if you aren't a video game person you can go watch us play it if you want or i would if you are a video game person (laughs) highly recommend you play it yourself because it is one of the most unique and kind of like mind change like it kind of altered the way i think about life (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> I would say play it for yourself if you're a video game person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. uh, we'll be covering that next time. So tune in and we will see you then. Bye. Bye.